and we're live. Welcome in, everyone, to the second ever episode of the DeMartin Download. I'm your host, Ian Gilmore, joined alongside, as always, always by Adam Baker. Adam, we're not we're not going as early this morning, so I, I feel like I'm feeling better. Are you, are you feeling better? Yeah. So 11's a lot smoother than 8. It is. It's a lot easier to get up. And so I feel a lot more energized when I come to the talk. So we're finally rolling. Episode 2, we are finally underway. I, I think it's crucial now, Adam, that we, we can't duck away from the ball like we're like Granite Xhaka or because I mean we don't want to get jigger off the park and drop from the 18 so we uh we gotta be careful treading now we gotta be our, our performance has to be top level so let's go let's get right into it um if you're new here uh the way we always do things we're going men's MSU soccer women's MSU soccer and then moving in all around the world to wherever there is wonderful soccer being played so this week we're going men's, women's. We'll talk a little MLS playoffs. We'll uh, travel over to England for uh, some Carabao Cup action and uh, the Premier League. We'll go to Germany so Adam can rant about Borussia Dortmund. And then uh, I got a little rant for you, Adam, at the end. It's going to be very spirited. Can't wait for it. All right. It's going to be the best part of the show. So we'll start with uh, MSU men's soccer, as we always do. So they're coming off a 2-0 loss on Tuesday to Michigan. Um, at Michigan, me and Adam were both there. We traveled to cover it for Impact, um, and it was a lot of fun. That's one of the better venues, I think, in college soccer, just the way it's set up. It's almost like a, a little European atmosphere. I, I want to get your thoughts on the, on the venue strictly first, Adam. Yeah, the place was great. I loved everything about it. That Never felt like that, that atmosphere at a college stadium before. And then they had all the, the right little details. And like the nice walls behind the goal, the student section was level with the field, no fence in between. And for some reason, I really like the yellow nets instead of going white. I enjoy it. But I mean, anyone that knows me would understand that, you know. Oh, yeah, you hate bright colors. But <laughs> in terms of matching with the team, I loved it. And I, I really think the the students being on the field, I mean, if you're playing against it, you don't like it because they're right in your ear. But Everyone else, I think it's a really good atmosphere. But regardless, I, th I think that played into it a little bit. But MSU does lose 2 nothing to Michigan. I think Michigan, maybe not on paper, um, but due to injuries, I think, first off, the people that MSU just don't have, um, and the play on the field. M Michigan was just a better team, and it wasn't far and away. I mean, the gap wasn't essentially large, but Michigan was the better team that night, and I think it showed in just about all three facets, um, through the midfield, up front and in the back, I think they were just better, and they won almost all the matchups um, against the guys they lined up with across the field in terms of Michigan against Michigan State. Yeah, and like the way they started, it never looked like Michigan State was ever going to get back into the game. There wasn't really like the extended periods of time they had the ball, they weren't really getting chances. And when Michigan had the ball for a lot, it really looked like they were just going to get that third all night. And it was interesting because MSU comes out in a way that they never had this season. They come out in a 5-3-2, 3-5-2, whatever you want to call it. It, was, it looked more like a 5-3-2 because they were, they were they had the ball coming at them for quite a bit of that first half. But it's something that MSU, I don't think, in the last two years has done. They That's the first time I've seen them switch from that 4-3-3 that Rensing plays um, in the last two seasons. And I think it was, it was, it was good to see because we finally see that things haven't been working this season. So we're going to try something else uh, that I feel like that was Rensing's mindset going into it. And um, 
Part of it, I think, is just kind of matching up with the way that Michigan plays just because up front they have so many dangerous guys, whether it be Hallahan or Umar Fruk Osman or or Popovich, who is scoring so many goals this season. Um, and I think that was a really good way to <clears throat> excuse me to to try to combat that. But it doesn't work if you give up a, a set-piece goal in the first 10 minutes, and that's what happened. Yeah, and that was the concern going into the game. Like the Northwestern game, they gave up that throw-in goal. The Ohio State game, they, it was a perfect game all around besides the conceding a corner. So, like, you know that's going to be a worry, and then for that to strike you so early in the game, it really just takes your whole game plan off the rails. And there was one thing that Damon Runsing said post-game that it stuck out to me, I guess, is it, he hit it, hit the hit the nail on the hammer he did, um, and he said, we can't have those sort of mistakes and be forced to chase the game. And I think that's especially true at a place like Ann Arbor with the environment that we already talked about and against a team that's just as good as Michigan is, uh, at least going forward. Like I said, they have all these guys that are so dangerous, and you're going to have a tough time trying to control the game. Um, and then you're going to have a tough time, too, if you have to go on the counterattack all second half. Uh, you're going to be left exposed at the back. And it was it was almost surprising that Michigan didn't get a third in the second half just because MSU did have to start kind of uh, leaving themselves bare in the back, um, go forward and, and try to get one back. And they almost did. They rang one off the post. A Connor George deflective shot went off um, Owen Finnerty's post. It was Andrew Verde has been the keeper for Michigan mostly this season, but Owen Finnerty got his first start of the season. Um, and, and didn't really have to do much. I guess you can say he played well because he had a clean sheet, but, I mean, there wasn't much for him to do all game. There wasn't a single shot on target for Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, again, for him looking back, he kept a clean sheet against Michigan State in his first start, so it's going to look good. But besides that, there really wasn't moments to threaten, and after that, like it all went back in Michigan's favor with Michigan State trying to push up more forward. Hunter Morris really had a good second half. He did, and that's the thing. Like in these losses, like Hunter Morris is never the worst player. Yeah, it was like maybe he could have done better on the second one, but after that, like Michigan were pouring on pressure the whole second half. They had like three good saves, and again, it just never looked like Michigan State was really gonna bring it back towards the end. And I think that's one thing too is the Hunter Morris aspect of it. Like I said, he's never the worst player in their losses, almost never. And but the, but the funny thing is sometimes and. Uh, I don't know if you put the first one on him. I think if a ball ever bounces inside the six, keeper has to do something, whether he comes and get it or I I don't know. But the, we seem to have with, with him, there seems to be he makes good saves and he has these great games, and I've touched on it before. He has these games where he makes six saves, he makes seven saves, and he plays really well. And he has just, I don't know if it's mental lapses or decision-making errors, but He'll have a a big time error that leads to a goal, um, and I can't I can't say that I watched the Northwestern game too much. We'll get into that in a couple minutes. But again, a set piece goal that they go down on that one late against Michigan, a set piece goal that they go down down on early and they have to chase the game. Um, these these all have to do something with the goalkeeper because when a ball comes into your eighteen, the least you the least you have to do as a keeper is is shout, say something control organize your guys so that's one aspect of hit with him that needs to improve going forward especially if he's going to be the keeper for this Michigan State side for the next two years um but that that's the Michigan game two nothing loss um 
you would you would never call that one a must win just because it's it's Michigan and it's a rivalry game and especially the way this season's going. You can't expect them to go in there and get three points. You can hope for that, but you can't expect it. Um, so I don't think it's the worst loss in the world. Um, it kind of hurts you in terms of Big Ten standings and hosting a, a first-round home game in the tournament, but regardless. The one that was a must-win game that they lost was Northwestern. I realize it's a way um, in Northwestern. is never an easy place to go play at. Tim Linehan does a great job with his guys every year. Um, but a one nothing loss to Northwestern, they lose it at the death. I think it was 89th minute off of another throw-in into the box that they're unable to clear. I think it bounced twice inside the six. I, th- I think so. I think it was like a flick-on. Okay, he, a flick-on. That then went over everyone to the back post. Gotcha. Well, and then and then the back post is just put in, and that's the way they concede. That's the way they lose, and I think that one hurts um, if you're Michigan State more than any other loss has this season because that was one that you really can't afford uh, to drop points in, honestly, any points. I think you had to come out of that with three points because you come out with that one with three points – uh, you're sitting in third instead of sixth in the Big Ten now after that Michigan game as well. Um, but I, I can't say I watched the game because I was working during it. Um, Midnight Madness, I think it was. So I can't speak to their performance at all. I don't know if you watched it at all, but I can't speak to the performance. All I can speak to is the goal that I saw in the 89th minute, once again conceding off a set piece. Yeah, and again, we talked about it all of last episode. With the way the season's ending, you had to go and win that Northwestern game. And in the initial run to that episode, we talked about how concerning the the set pieces could potentially be. And it's just such a disappointing way to lose and so late into the game to kind of have like that mental lapse on another throw-in. And it was kind of hard to like distinguish fault in that one. But just all around, it's just like, a real hard way to go down in a must-win game. And yet you're looking at them being in third right now, ahead of Michigan despite losing to them if that's a three-point exactly. addition. And I think that's what that what that's what makes it as big as it was. Is you're you're at you're sitting at four, two, and one instead of three, three, and one, which is a big difference because that the middle of the table in the Big Ten right now is so <clears throat> excuse me, compact. And uh, <laughs> it it it's a coughing season, Adam, I'm yeah, telling it is. you. <laughs> And I apologize for our listeners, but it's been cold. I had, to, I had to stand outside for that whole Michigan State-Penn State football game in the rain, in the cold. And the thing is, I haven't even been coughing that much lately. My mom's going to get on me for not, you know, taking pills or, or something. But I knew when I, come on, when I came on this morning, it was just going to be cough after cough after cough after I've been fine the past couple days. We'll move past it, though. We're working through adversity. Um, Looks like 11 a.m. is still a little too early. It could be. That could be the thing, too. It, I, I still had to set an alarm to get up, and I didn't even hear the alarm. Um, but I was going to segue there, but the segue is kind of gone now that I've ruined it. But we're still going to segue. So um, looking at these Big Ten standings, we're trying to figure out matchups for the Big Ten tournament. And, of course, there's nine teams in the Big Ten, so there's an eight and nine play on, play-in game. Um, and then seeds five, six, seven, eight will play at... Seeds one two three four so one eight two seven three six four five. Um, the way it stands right now, Indiana and Penn State have already locked in uh, home field advantage, uh, and Michigan actually has as well. Uh, because of the Northwestern Wisconsin result last night, they've played all their Big Ten games. Uh, Wisconsin Northwestern drew 
Um, so they get a point each. Um, so Northwestern sits on 11 points now. Is that is my math correct? Yeah. Okay. So, so Indiana Penn State sit top at 18 and 16 points, respectively. Here's where we get into a bit of a jumble. Uh, Michigan sits on third with 12 points. Maryland and Northwestern are fourth and fifth, respectively, both with 11. And then Michigan State is sixth with 10 points. And then the last three don't really matter because they are four points or less. So we don't even need to talk about them. So right now what we have is Michigan State going to play at Michigan again and Northwestern going to Maryland again. If you were a betting man, you would probably bet that Indiana will beat Michigan State. And it's not it's not it's not concrete or anything, but I'm I'm saying if you were yeah, betting if you're, man, if you're betting money you would, on that's it, that's probably what you were you would bet on. I realize it's home for Michigan State, but you have to take into account the season they've had, the injuries they still have, and and the injuries they do still have, especially in the back line. Michael Watungu probably out for the season. Um, we had some inside information from Aiden Hunt. Got to shout him out. Uh, he saw Watungu in a sling yesterday, and he hit me up on Twitter. He was like, "I got inside info for you." And I was like, "I got eyes everywhere." It's hard Everywhere. to judge with a shoulder injury necessarily how it long is. the timeline's going to be. Well, especially, I mean, we saw Gianni Ferry in a walking boot a week and a half ago, and then he played at Michigan. Yeah, I guess that was more precaution. So who knows? But... Who knows? Um, so depending on how far they go in the postseason, who knows? Yeah. Um, he could be back, but right now he's out. So he won't be playing uh, against Indiana. That That's a big loss. Um, so, like I said, if you were a betting man, you'd probably bet on Indiana to win. That would also clinch them the Big Ten title for the, I don't even know how many years in a row. Um, and if you're Indiana, you probably have to get, I'd say, you want three points, but you probably have to get at least a point because Penn State will most likely win. They're playing at Rutgers, and Rutgers sits close to the bottom, their third bottom um, on goal difference. So uh, if you're Penn State, you're probably going to win that one. If you're Indiana, you probably want three points. So the the matchup we would, we would really want to look at on Sunday is Michigan-Maryland. So... The last game of the season, Maryland has Michigan at home, and they're sitting 3-4 right now. And Maryland's destiny is in their own hands. Michigan already has home field wrapped up for the first round, um, and it's at Maryland. I want your thoughts on that one, who you think wins it. And, yeah, just who you think wins it. Well, if Maryland wins and Michigan State wins, doesn't that bump Michigan to fifth? You're right. Yeah, so that so Michigan doesn't have it wrapped up. My so, bad. Uh, but it's. I think I'm gonna go with Michigan to either hold, hold get the tie and hold on to their spot, or get the win at Maryland. It's an interesting one too because Maryland's kind of been up and down at home this year. I also just want to go back to Michigan for Big Ten play. It would be it would be sweet because that's just such a cool venue. It would be cool to go to Maryland. It's more expensive. But that's it's one not of the, an hour drive from us. That but. is one of the coolest venues, I think, in all of college soccer. And the student section there, the crew, is just absolutely electric. You can hear them on the TV, so you know how cool it would be going there for an actual game. But we'll see what happens come Sunday. Sunday is the day. It's decision day in Big Ten soccer. Decisions have already been made in the women's side. See? When I'm not coughing, I can, I can make the segues out of dreams. So the, the women's side, uh, the Big Ten tournament, it's a little bit different on that side because there's 14 teams in the women's side. Um, the top eight make the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Michigan State season is done. I can 
unequivocally is that is that right? Unequivocally say that something like that. Um, they finished their season yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. A a rescheduled 1 p.m. midweek game uh, against Indiana. It was a one nothing loss. That's what that was a game they got rescheduled from about a month ago. They played 20 minutes and then there was lightning galore, so they had to change it up. But they finish it with a one nothing loss to Indiana after a, a disappointing. 3-2 loss to number 21 Rutgers. It would have been disappointing if they had been, you know, you know, maybe 3-0 three, three down and then almost came back. But they were up 2-0. And they gave up the lead in the first half. And that first goal was, uh, it was a very questionable one to give up. Lauren Kozel came out of the box, a little miscue with the center backs, and it just bounced perfectly through for Monemi to pull it back. And then from there, it was just all Rutgers. They got a goal off a corner. They just... They really just took over the game kind of as expected. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. It wasn't exactly unexpected. This is a number 21-ranked Rutgers team. Yeah, Michigan Michigan State kind of took the lead by surprise. It was a corner that Rutgers couldn't clear. And then a corner that the Rutgers goalie just had a complete miscue on. For the first goal, it was Bella Jodis, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. a rocket, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, great strike from like 20, I don't 25 yards out. Yeah. yeah, into the top corner. And then, yeah, the second goal was a real fortunate one. But then, yeah, from there, never really looked like they were going to score again. Ruggers took over. The way they were playing, it's kind of like they're up 2-3. Players kind of testing it from... Like, they would have two-on-ones in the box, and the player with the ball would kind of just shake off the person with them and say, yeah, I, I, I got this, I got it. We got the comfortable win already. Which is kind of surprising to see, considering it was only 3-2. And considering they haven't been in that position all season. Yeah. <clears throat> At least in the Big Ten. Yeah. And the, it's a disappointing loss, and it also kind of wraps up just a disappointing end to the season. Um, I, I've beat it into a dead a – beating is that a, beating a dead horse? Beat. About how great you can play outside of the Big Ten, but when you get to the Big Ten, you can only win one game. So I won't even – I won't go deeper into that, but seven straight losses to end the season. Yeah, Not good. Yeah, no, that's a real sad one. Like, it is. That one, that one would hurt if you were on that team, I think. And one win in the last ten. It weighs on you in the offseason. It does. Even if you have that eight in the WCOM. It's so hard to swallow, I think. Just because there's... And I was always one when... when so there's people in the studio. Um, when we come to our weekly impact meetings on Wednesdays that are like, this women's team, who wants to go cover them? They're good right now. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> easy there, killer. <laughs> easy there. And and it's understandable though because if you just look at them and they're eight three and one or seven three and one or whatever it was, six and zero at home too. Yeah, it was understandable just because the 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 numbers spoke. But you, unless you watch every single game, you don't realize that you know. Okay, these are out of conference games, and we saw the one out of was it who was it too? I can't I can't think of it right now. I'll I'll look through the. The schedule. It was the one out of conference loss. It was three three nil to Butler, a a non ranked Butler team that they lost three nil to on the road. And I think that was the one that spoke more than any of the seven out of conference wins did at all. You know, I was a little bit of a curse for the team. I think I called three games. They conceded three goals in all three of them. It's Adam's fault. It's your fault, Adam. Hey, you're with me on one of them. Only one. You had two more without me. But I think that's just the thing is when if you don't if you don't Pay attention to the team. If you don't know soccer, you see that that seven or eight wins, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this team's good. 
that that's the thing though. Like the Big Ten is a pretty darn good conference, uh, and we saw teams coming out of no like Maryland this year, their first Big Ten tournament uh, appearance in program history. And there's ranked teams throughout uh, this league all season. Um, Iowa was one that they played that didn't end up ranked at the end of the season, but <clears throat> get into the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they they spank Michigan State in the middle of the season, it, it, and we talked about it last week. So, like I said, I don't want to I don't want to get into it too deep again. But you won zero games in the Big Ten last year. Big Ten's over now. You win one this year. There really hasn't been that much progress, and I think that's the thing that's frustrating if you're Michigan State and if you're Tom Saxon that he's built this thing and he's been here so long. It's I think it would be frustrating for him to see a year where you've got good players coming in. Paige Weber scores what six seven goals this season. I don't know. Did she score against Rutgers? Was she one of them? No. Okay, then I think she finished with seven or six, six on the season. And you you've got these players that come in and, and improve your team, but still, the, there really hasn't been improvement. There's no progress, and I think that's so frustrating. If you're if you're a coach of a a program like Michigan State, it, you go from zero wins to one win, like great, but like, where's the progress? Isn't there? Yeah, I mean. Nothing real different to add, just to like echo everything you said. To see how heavily the team cooled off, transitioning from non-conference to conference play. It's a big, like, where do you go from here now? And just, I think especially with, they lose 12 seniors, but the number isn't as bad as it sounds. 12 sounds like a lot, but it's pretty much just Sadie Mishevich and uh, Michaela Kovacs that are the consistent starters that are going to be gone next year. And I think those are two really big shoes to fill. Uh, I, I, I do think they have the shoes to fill them, though. Mashevitz um, is going to be a difficult one just because we saw her every game, all 90 minutes, pretty much every every, every game, all year. Um, Daniel Steffen will hold down the midfield no matter who's next to her, um, but it was nice to see Michaela Kovacs next to her um, when they could bring in Van Dyke and Scroden Moore in the back and move Kovacs up. I think that was a good system they had, but... Again, not winning games with it, so we'll see what they do next season. Yeah, it did help them get a lot more defensively sound, but not the results to back it up. Okay, so that'll do it for our MSU soccer portion of the show, and and this and this is where we go. You know, first half is done. We'll move into the second half. Um, and, and the first thing we want to talk about today, professionally wise, is MLS playoffs. And before we get into the results, Adam, we did promise listeners last week that we would talk about. Um, the uh, the one thing we were very um, opinionated about with regards to MLS and their new playoff structure. So for those that don't know, they MLS, I don't know for how long, but it's been at least for the past few years. Since I've been watching. Okay, <laughs> since I've been watching as well. Since they've, they've had two legs in each round of the playoffs. So what that means, it's like Champions League. So they'll have one away leg, one home leg. They'll play at each spot, and it'll be an aggregate score. Whoever wins on aggregate goes through. And this year they have switched to one and dones. So they just play one game against, you know, each team just plays the one game in in the round at the higher-seeded opponent, and whoever wins that one goes through. If it's tied at the end, they go to extra time and then penalties. I don't think we've seen penalties once, though. Uh, we, we've seen, like, four extra times, but no Yeah, no they PKs. all ended in overtime. Um, And me and Adam, this was something that came into the studio. And I was like, Adam, I want to hear your opinion on this because if it's different than mine, we can go at it because I feel pretty strong about this. And Adam agreed with me. So we're still going to talk about it. It just won't be as, you know. Killed the fire of the segment. but It kind of, but I think it's still good. <laughs> no, it's still there. 
I think this is a horrendous decision. Flat out. I think it's horrendous. Um, the reason why MLS playoffs were as exciting as they were in the past couple years, and the reason why I watched playoffs and not the regular season, was because the situations that the two legs create, especially in that second game, were so awesome. And it, it felt like European soccer that I don't know why you get rid of that. That's why I watched MLS playoffs. Because those second games especially, even the first games, but the second games especially, were so good, so open, so fluid. They played they played freely, and it felt like I was watching the Champions League. And I think that's a big thing. Everyone loves the Champions League. It's the most, I'd say it's the most popular club competition in the world. Yeah. Because of the way it's structured. You have the group stages, and then you have from the, is it the 32 or six, 16? 16. From the round of 16 until the final, you have you have the two leggers, and those are the best games of the year. I, they've created so many great moments. The, the one I think of is Barca PSG, and that was one of those games where I remember exactly where I was, and it's one of the best games I've ever watched live. It helps that I support Barcelona, but still, it creates atmospheres and games like those. And great, I, I, I realize that the argument is that we have had some wonderful games in this playoffs, this playoff season. Be, and and I, I will give them that the reason they've been so wonderful is because they're one and dones. Still, I don't think they are as good as they would be if you had the two leggers. And then even taking out the excitement factor, if you're going to have a 34 regular season that really doesn't mean much besides qualifying for the playoffs, you can't just have it end in like one game like that. Like we saw LAFC lose their historic season because it had a one-off. Well, I mean, who knows what would have happened in the second leg. That's true against LA Galaxy. That is but true like, because a five, <laughs> three away goals, that's a lot. And a 5-3 scoreline can be, can be came back upon in a second leg. Oh, yeah, I was more I was more addressing the fact that maybe they wouldn't have came back against Seattle, but in the first place, okay. just uh, I don't I don't think you should make it more like upset like possible just because you go through a whole regular season for seeding. I'm not saying I'm, the MLS Open Cup shouldn't necessarily be uh, two legs, but for this one, it really throws everything out the window when it's just yeah, 90 minutes to decide a season. And I, I think, too, we even see in the Champions League, they they play, what, six games in the group stage, and then they do yeah. two leggers? And if you look at American sports as well, not that I ever want to compare MLS to American sports, but it helps my case in this in this, in this this instance. NBA, they play 82 games in a season. They they do best of seven. they do best of seven all the way through, right? Yeah. Best of seven all the way through. Baseball plays 162 games. They do best of five in the first round, then best of seven, best of seven. And we saw... It concluded last night they needed seven games to decide the winner in the World Series. It, it was so even. It, and that's the thing in these games that are, I think you even look at Toronto, D.C. in the first round. A game that ends 1-1 after regular time. You go into a second leg, they're leaving it all out on the line in that 90 minutes. Instead, they're fatigued, they're tired. D.C. United doesn't have a young team, and they lose 5-1 in extra time. And I just don't think it works. Just on that, just... Really going to miss Wayne Rooney in the MLS next year. Yeah, agreed. So that, that's... Uh, <laughs> but, but no, on the thing, it's just... It, again, 34 regular season games for a three-game playoff run, if you win it. Yep. It's pointless to me. It's so just, 
That, I don't know why they would change it too. Like they had agreed. a working, they had a working system, and that's the thing. It, I don't think anyone was complain. Yeah, don't fix something that's working. That's the biggest thing. So that's that's our um our rant on that. Um, if you have an opinion on this, listeners, uh, leave a comment on the Facebook Live that's going right now, or tweet us when we tweet the show out. Respond to respond to the show, respond to the tweet, and we'll uh, we'll get your opinion on. We want your opinions. Uh, so we'll move into the actual MLS games now. The final set, it's going to be in Seattle once again. The third Seattle-Toronto final in the last four years. Yeah, that was the last headline. I was like, I never even considered it. Isn't that kind of crazy? Uh, yeah, three, third final in four years. I guess Seattle you consider as kind of like one of those perennial, but Toronto has slowly became that. And I guess three four three finals in four years, they're, they've arrived now. Yeah, again, I thought they were done when Giovinco left. And I kind of wanted them to be done because I was... I really liked Giovinco in MLS, and then I felt like the Toronto did him dirty. It, when we predicted, was your prediction LAFC Atlanta? Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I know I predicted Atlanta, but I also called Seattle. And we said Toronto wouldn't win that game. Both yeah. of us agreed, but they did somehow. They beat Atlanta 2-1 last night. You watched that, right? Yeah, I caught the second half. So I want to get your thoughts on it, because like we said, we didn't think Atlanta was going to or we didn't think Toronto was going to get through, and, and still they do. No Altador either. Yeah, and no, I was uh, pretty disappointed. I was really rooting for Atlanta. Are you a Joseph guy? Yeah, I'm a big Joseph guy. So then he missed his pen. And it was just disappointing to see. Because, like, on a quality standpoint, I okay, take out, like, the third matchup in four years. This really isn't the best final you could have asked for. I At think least. LAFC, LA Galaxy would have been the best final. If only it was possible. But, uh, well, I mean, Atlanta, LAFC, if had both losers won, I think we would have been looking at the best MLS pl- MLS Cup ever. <laughs> Instead, we... Clearly, we wouldn't have because they both <laughs> lost the Zephyrs. Yeah, it's just uh, it's a disappointing one for me. I lost a lot of interest in this one. And so the other one was probably disappointing for you as well, being a, a big LAFC guy. They lose 3-1 to Seattle at home. And honestly, it, it it was a drubbing. I I think LAFC controlled the game, but I really don't think they they controlled the scoreline. That was just another surprising one. Like they went up one zero from the free kick, and from there I kind of thought it was a you know just going to be smooth sailing. Then they conceded two in like three minutes, and just never really looked like they were going to get back into the game. And it's a weird one for me now for the final, because when they uh, when they went back to back, I was big on Toronto. Shamelessly, I can say I don't. My only MLS team is Sporting Kansas City. Besides that, I kind of ride with what's hot. And I, I was with Toronto for Giovinco. Now that he's not there, I think I got to switch up on him. Got to gotta hope Seattle pulls it through this time. You think so? So is that your official prediction? I, I know we'll have another show before the final, but your official I want your official prediction. I want everything. I want score, who scores uh, in the winner. It's, so it's at Seattle. Seattle 2-0, Ladero has both. Really? Yes. Okay. Do you want to expound at all? Or is that good? Good for you? Expound. Let me think. How do you think the game will play out? Seattle's going to score early. Toronto's going to chase it the whole way through. Then, like, you know, after the 75th minute, he'll get a second. And put it to bed? Yes. Okay. One of them from outside of the box. Okay. I agree with your winner. I think Seattle wins. Um, I'm going to say 3-1 on a J-Mo hat trick. Uh, see, just because I said 
<laughs> Jordan Morris? Yep. He did it. He did it already. I'm gonna be so- I, I can't stand him when he plays for the national team, and then somehow he does well when he plays Just because of that, I'm going to be so annoyed if he does that. Gets a hat trick in the final. Watch him do but, it. But after I and said my he'll... prediction, watch Ladero get a red card four minutes in, and Toronto wins 3-1. Something like that. And, and if, if that happened, if he scored a hat trick in the MLS Cup, he would get called up for the United States, and then he wouldn't score a goal in 10 games. And I'd put money on it. I would put money on him not scoring a goal in 10 games. He'd probably games. have like a great friendly right before the tourney. And then get him in a competitive game, and he would just go back to his regular. Matter. Yeah, his go back to his regular self. I don't understand him. Okay, so we'll we'll touch on that a little more next episode because we will have one more episode between now and the actual final. But we're gonna move across the pond now. We'll go to England. There was some crazy midweek games this week uh, in the Carabao Cup, especially cap, capped off by a ten goal Liverpool Arsenal thriller. And I know you didn't get to watch that. I was lucky enough to watch that. There were some screamers from, I think it was Willock, um, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, and Divac, Divac Arizzi with his kind of slow falling down scissor kick in the 95th minute. And just watching this game, it was kind of like jaw on the floor the whole time just because there was just goal after goal after goal after goal. And that leads me to a point, Adam, where I've read some things on Twitter this morning and. It, it's kind of been interesting, and I'm not sure it's not true. And Halloween is a great time for conspiracy theories. Was Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool trying to lose that game? I'm not going to say yes. And I, I want to give a little backstory. So you're not going to say yes, but here's... Every time Arsenal scored, Klopp was smiling. Klopp played literally like kids that were still in middle school, and their average age of this team had to be like 14 years. It was insane how young this team was. And after the game, the, so so the next game week will conflict with the Club World Cup Championships for Liverpool, and Klopp has said that if they don't reschedule them, they're going to pull out anyway. So, with all that being said, you're not going to say yes, The fact that but are was, you sure they weren't trying to lose? I don't think he, he wouldn't have minded losing, and you could see it with the lineup. But the fact that he said we're going to pull out anyways, I think kind of shows, like, it, we don't need to lose on purpose. I'll just, I'll take ourselves out of this tourney when it midweek and as for Klopp smiling after every goal Klopp just tends to enjoy watching games it is and that's been a thing we've seen before so I I, I don't think that's the leading factor he's a bit of a, a goof. yeah he really enjoys it he does he just like sorry was talking sometimes. about it last year when Chelsea was up 1-0 on Liverpool the game they tied 1-1 Klopp came over to him like the 60th minute talking this is fun isn't it when his team's losing and in a title race right and that just, that 30 days in the end of December and the beginning of January is about to be grueling for them. 10 games in 30, including going all the way to the Middle East. That is absolutely insane. That That's an average of a game every three days. And that's fine if you do it one week. If you have midweek Champions League, that's fine. But when you do that for four weeks straight, that's crazy. And it's crazy that they have all these competitions where that's even a possibility. And I think that's, that's quite frankly, it's not good. I don't know. I, I, I don't have a, a way to fix it. I don't have a, a, a solution, but I, I just think that's insane. Yeah, I don't know how the Premier League always gets caught in December like this. They're not the only 38 team league, 38 game league in Europe. Right. Like, you don't see La Liga having these struggles or Serie A. Bundesliga, of course, only has 34, so they have the month off. I think the only solution would be cutting the League Cup so you can play more midweek games throughout mm. the year. Good luck. Carabao wouldn't be too happy with that. Yeah, I mean, it's 
I don't really know how the process would go about, but that's some, the most realistic solution I can really think of. There's a couple other good games in the Carabao Cup this week. Not One one to mention would be uh, Man U, their third away win in all competitions. Third third away win in a row in all competitions. After they, they went on that stretch where they didn't win an away game since the one at PSG, um, they beat Chelsea 2-1 midweek, and I know there wasn't, you know, a crazy amount of starters, but you you mentioned it before, right before we went on air. That game had a inordinate amount of starters for a League Cup game, and uh, t- even taking that into account, has Ole got the wheel going the right way again? I. It's too early to say. One of the games was in Europa League, and then this one on Carabao Cup. But it's definitely good for him. I think. He's helping his case on the hot seat. I personally wouldn't like, I wouldn't fire him or anything right now. So I think it, it, he's bringing them back on track. They got to do a little bit more in the league, obviously. Who do they have next? Bournemouth away. See, they need to make it four in a row. Just looking at that one. And then Brighton and then Sheffield. And then Villa. So I think this is a big statement run for United. It's a bunch of easier games. <laughs> that sounded that sounded so wrong, thinking that as much as just the fact <laughs> these, that these Man U has, were statement games. has become a team where this this stretch is is statement games for them. Any other big six team and are saying it's a guaranteed four zero run. Uh, United, it's like prove a, yourself, a please. <laughs> oh, th- that's just sad. That that's what Man U has become. Statement of intent: beating oh. Brighton at home. But, I mean, after that, they have Spurs and City back-to-back. So, I think they really got to win these next four. What, so, what would you call that? That The Spurs-City stretch, then? What would you call that? <laughs> you call those statement games, too? <laughs> Lose gracefully. That's what I'd say those two are. Uh, sit back and try to get a point games. But, no, I mean, it's... He's helping his case a lot, but it's still only threes... Three wins in a row against Partizan, Norwich, and Chelsea. Chelsea's mixed backup team. Yeah. So they that that stretch comes in the Premier League, and so we'll move in the Premier League now. Um, I like shamelessly just proclaimed that the title was over when it was Norwich, right? To beat Man City, and the gap opened to what eight points? Norwich made it five. Wolves made it eight. Okay, Wolves. It yeah. was Wolves. That's who it was. That Wolves that made it eight points. Um, and Maybe it was a little too early. We're still only 10 games into the season. The gap is already six, and I really don't see Liverpool losing more than one or two games this season. Um, but they did show vulnerabilities against Spurs, and I think that's the biggest thing when we talk about the, the title might not actually be theirs yet. They have shown vulnerabilities, um, and Man City, they're not the same team they are last year, but they're still pretty darn good. Yeah, City either wins comfortably or they drop points. There's really not been an in-between for them this season. So, obviously, they play each other, not this week and the one after. So, that's going to be a big determinant. That's going to be huge, and I think that's a six-pointer. And yeah. if Liverpool wins that, then maybe. Considering this weekend, Liverpool has Villa away and City has Southampton. I don't think the gap is going to change. I'd love if Southampton could go get a result of the Etihad. But, again, I think it's going to hold at six. And if Liverpool goes up to nine... Then that's when you're looking at like, you go back to maybe this gap is too big. But here, here's something that they're probably going to be top at Christmas, and I I don't know what the 
the point spread will be, but we've seen teams that are top at Christmas, and we've seen Liverpool teams that are top at Christmas. Do you think that hangs over their head? You know, we've seen just the whole Steven Gerrard slip season. Do you think that'll be in their head? I realize it was a whole different regime, and there's I don't even know if there's any players left from that. Milner, Jordan, Jordan Henderson, Hendo, and maybe Milner. What, was Milner at City that he, year? He might have been. So so maybe just Hendo, but yeah. um, do you think that's something that hangs over their head and starts to get into their heads? The Gerrard slip, no. Last year's, yes. Because that's when it's more applicable to this squad of players and just Klopp's management, considering it was Brendan Rodgers back then. But I think it's it's more of a, a positive thing. Like, we know this isn't safe. We know what happens when we drop points. And, like, if we get on a bad run, like tying two games in a row, which is why I think that Spurs game was so crucial to hold on to the win, especially after the United one. But I'll just pin it more under championship experience, quote-unquote, because they didn't actually win it, then uh, kind of like pressure. And I think it's going to prove to be a positive for them throughout the year. Okay. Respectable, understandable. Um, moving away from the title race, the uh, the race for the top four is on, and it's kind of surprising the way, it, the way it's panned out so far. I mean, Leicester's in third, Chelsea's in fourth, Arsenal fifth, but then below that you've got Crystal Palace in sixth, Man U in seventh, oh. Sheffield United Up in eighth. Up seven spots from the last time we recorded. That's true. Because that mid- the middle of the table is so congested, it's insane. I mean, there's there's uh, five points that separates fifth and fifteenth. Um, but I think the the race for the top four, I, I don't know where you cut it off because Chelsea's at 20, and then between four and five, there's, there's still four points. So nothing's going to change this week, but... Do you see any outside teams that, other than Leicester? Leicester, you can't you can't say Leicester because I think that they 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 are they are a lock for the chase. If that makes sense, they're not a lock for the top four, but they're a lock for the chase for the top. Yeah, they'll four. be there throughout the season. Any of these teams that aren't usually there: Crystal Palace, Sheffield United, Bournemouth, even West Ham, even Wolves and or Burn. You can go all the way down to fifteenth. Any of those teams in there, uh, but you can't say Man U, Arsenal, Spurs. Leicester, Chelsea. Who do you think has the best case to crack that top four? Again, preseason, my pick was Wolves. I thought they would be the team doing what Leicester is doing right okay. now. But they just don't know how to not tie a game. That's <laughs> true. So unless they can get it together, I don't think Crystal Palace is going to keep up with it. I think they're going to filter out throughout. In December, I think we're really going to see these like iffy teams start to take a lot of bad results with how often they're playing. You think Zaha's going to leave in December? Is that a? Are they still talking about that one? I think Is, they would have to be. There's so much talk about him this summer that if there's gotta be speculation at least. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I was real surprised he stayed, and then I kind of just penciled him into stay till uh, next summer. But I'd have to look back into that one to imagine. Things they're asking for so much. I don't know who would splash on a winger in I January. See. Like, I think after signing Pepe, I don't know if they uh sell Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> just trade him. So is Wolves still your pick? Wolves would be my pick, but I don't think they do it. Sheffield United? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not an outside chance? I think Leicester holds on to third, though. Maybe fourth. Maybe Chelsea can get third, but I think mm. they hold on to Champions League. So you think they beat out Chelsea, Arsenal, Man U, and Spurs for Champions League? Arsenal, Man U, and Spurs, and then they're the toss-up with Chelsea for third and fourth. Okay. I don't know what's wrong with Spurs. That Amazon documentary is going to be special. It's gonna be like the Sunderland one on Netflix. They go down twenty. Okay, 
Well, um, that'll do it for Premier League. Uh, Adam, I want to give you some time for Germany now so you can rant about Dortmund, and then I've got my big rant coming up. I'll do some research while you talk about Germany. Well, I made a mistake yesterday. Went, made the logical decision to watch my, my team playing a better lineup than Liverpool's instead of the Liverpool-Arsenal 5-5 game. But I was kind of pleased. Granted, we came off of a 0-0 tie against Schalke, and after that rant I gave you last week about how the team forgot we can't head the ball, our best chance of the game was across to Royce that he was like two inches too short for. Otherwise, we're looking at a win. So now we're two points off Byron. But yesterday, I was pleased. We went down 1-0. And then Julian Brandt kind of put on a show. He had like two goals in three minutes, brought us back in. was great on both of them. And it's it's weird how one win changes like the momentum. Because I was kind of get, not getting sick of this team. But I was asking a lot of questions of them. Getting frustrated Getting with them. Getting frustrated with them. That's, that's the best way to put it. But, I mean, that was, a good, that was a great win for me to see. Royce was gone again. Paco still not back. And just to put all that behind us. And really, like, we put the new the new signings kind of were put to the test. Thorgan and... Thorgan Hazard and Brandt really had to take them to and Sancho. We're going to have to lead us to a win if it was going to be yesterday. And they combined for the winner. So it's a good momentum boost. The cup's going to be important because worst case scenario this season, I just don't go trophyless, excluding the Super Cup we already run. But it's pleasing. I like no matter what happens with Bayern, we can we're always guaranteed to be the best Borussia in Germany. <laughs> Did I give you enough time to get your rant going? No, I got I got my research in. Are Are you good with that? I think I'm. I mean, we have not ones. not too much rant this week. There's not too much of a rant. Dortmund Dortmund rant this week. I mean, we I I addressed the inner game last week. I'm not gonna dwell on the Schalke tie too much, but then we have inner in the Champions League again next week. So mm-hmm. that's gonna determine how. That next, a, that's at home this time. Yeah, they, and it's a must win. And Inter's on a on a hot streak. I'd say right now. Yeah, I'm still I'm still confident. That's the main reason I'm not too pessimistic today. I still think every everything can go right this season. Of course, after oh. Next week is going to be us. Pre- <laughs> Next week is going to be previewing the Dortmund Bayern game. Mm, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. So I'm gonna stay confident until then. I'm okay. gonna stay positive. I'll let you stay confident. All right, it's rant time. Kind of like it's sack. It's sack time. It's rant time. Um, this is something I don't know if I talked about it last week, but we talked about it in the practice one where I kind of just like if there's something during a week that just gets me fired up and it has something to do with soccer or I can relate to soccer. I want to rant about it, and I want to talk about it. And this week, it comes from the World Series. And a man named Dave Martinez, who is the manager of the Washington Nationals. And if you watched Game 6, you probably know what I'm about to go off about. Um, and the reason I am relating it back to soccer is because for, for the longest time, I've had a problem with American sport referees. And other than hockey, I think they take it pretty well in hockey, but football, baseball, and basketball. The referees, some of these referees have the thinnest skin ever. They will not take, and, and these, are, these are professional athletes. They should be allowed to say one or two things. I remember, sorry, I just hit the mic, but <laughs> I'm, I'm getting riled up. Uh, Craig Bellamy, one of the, the least well-behaved soccer players I've ever watched, 
he would drop you could you could read his lips as he dropped f bomb after f bomb to referees in soccer and they were unfazed like you just got to take it and i've been a soccer referee before I, i've been yelled at like i don't care like are you kidding you you can feel free to yell at me as long as you don't get personal or or offensive fine i don't care especially in basketball i hate it when when they you can't see it cuz it's a podcast but if you're on facebook live when players do the thing with their hand where they where they like kind of like swat and it's it's, it's like it's kind of like get out of here sort of thing yeah. people in soccer do that all the time every single game if you every do that in, call. every single call if you do that in basketball you get teed up or thrown out and i think that's horrendous but but this week it was it was the other way around dave martinez goes on a a there's nothing. It's, it's it was nothing short of a temper tantrum. He looked like a little child. I don't know who the umpire was, but Dave Martinez. And I realized the call was horrible. Understandably, the call was horrible. But this is a grown man who gets paid millions of dollars every year. Had it, he had to be held back. This is like a, a kid in elementary school who just got something happened to him on the playground and his friends or the teachers have to hold him back because he's throwing this temper tantrum. Like, you look like a little child. Like, are you kidding? You're going to go after this ref like this because of a single call? Like, it, it looked like he was about to go kill him. It was insane. That That's not acceptable, and it can't happen. And I was trying to think, when's the last time something like this happened in soccer? And I don't remember one like this. The one I remember that was closest to this was last season and Mauricio Pochettino going at Mike Dean. And if you if you look it up, just look at Mauricio Pochettino, Mike Dean, and you look it up and you'll find the video. And it was nothing even close to this. And I think it is this. It, it's just it's it, it's this stereotype that's true though. It's a true stereotype with with coaches and and managers in American sports. And baseball is the worst. And I cannot stand when managers come out of their uh, the dugouts, get into the umpire's face, point their fingers like crazy, and like they're spit flying out of their mouth and everything, and they get into their face because a ball was thrown six inches outside of a strike zone. Like, go sit down. Like, take your heart pills. Get out of here. This is not okay. You are a grown man getting paid millions of dollars to do this. Do not act like a little kid having a tantrum. And Dave Martinez was way out of line. And the thing that pissed me off even more was his players. And, and I realized as a player, you cannot, you can't, uh, what's the word? Dang it, I lost the word. Uh, you can't criticize your manager because that's the guy who, who puts on the field. But they were they were going a step further and saying, "Oh, I love that. That's that's my guy. He's putting his heart on the field for us." No, he wasn't. He was just pissed at a call. Like, are you kidding me? This man is throwing a temper tantrum, and you're giving him credit for it? Stop! Stop! That's my rant for the week. Adam, I want to hear your your thoughts on it. I didn't know any of this happened last night, first and foremost. So, <laughs> but I think I could agree with the overall claim. I do hate when refs get mad at, well, going way back now. I feel like, yeah. that, was, I feel like that was 10 minutes ago. But that's the thing, too. I hate, is I hate, like, technical fouls or yellow cards for dissent. That's probably my... Yellow cards for dissent is understandable because soccer dissent. players probably spew more dissent than any other players in any sport. But I, I don't want to retract my statement. <laughs> And th- and that gets me going just about as much as this gets me going too, when referees can't take it. 
Yeah. But usually it's it's referees that can't take it when players or coaches don't even do do that much. But this was way over the line for me. I feel like I have so much to address. I just don't know where to start. Do you I'm, need a week I, to think about it? I might have to. I'm trying to think of a time because, again, I don't really watch baseball. I was trying to think of a time I've uh, – like I've seen like a soccer owner kind of go wild on the sidelines or something. I'd say Diego Maradona was probably the only one that would do that. Yeah, uh, him at the last World Cup. I hated it. Uh, I'll give you a week to think about it. Yeah, I do need it. I might need a month. You're going to have to go back through and listen to it and then, you know, write down notes and everything. But so if if there's ever any, the the last one for those that didn't ever hear the practice episode was about how basketball players don't like playing for their national teams. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that one next week. It's not as relevant now, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it another week. Uh, But that's going to do it for us this week. Any other thoughts you'd like to uh, put out there, Adam, for the listeners this week? So I did have one thing I was thinking about when I was re-listening to our last podcast. And I don't want to say you're I don't want to necessarily say you're doing this. But I feel like I know why you shut down LAFC succeeding in the pre- or staying up in the Premier League so quickly. Mm. Having seen your club go through relegation battles, one, you know more about the bottom half of the table than I do. <laughs> that is true. I you, know way more. I, you, I feel like you, you know the, the work experience is there. <laughs> you know the grind that goes into when fifteenth place sixteenth. Two, you wouldn't want to see a te- you wouldn't want to admit a team could come in and do better than Newcastle. I, I theorize. All right, all right, I theorize right. this built it into your, it. this. I'm not saying it diluted your decision. I, I think it factored in though. I um. Sure. Yes, I don't want to admit it, but probably. That's probably part of it. And just second part of that, I think I asked you this last year, and I'm pretty sure I know what your answer is. Do you miss Sunderland being in the Premier League? No. I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious that we'd be back. Because the thing was, when they were in the Prem, they would have the worst season ever, and they'd still beat us in the Tyneweir Derby. Yeah. And I hated it. I remember there was one, trying to remember who was, who was their manager. I can't remember, but I think it was when we had Pardew. It might have been like Roy Keane or someone like that. I don't know. Yeah. But no, I don't miss them at all. I hope for their continued uh, downfall. And it doesn't like they're coming. It doesn't look like they're coming up to the championship this year. They're like eighth in League One right now, which I think is hilarious. Not relevant enough to say you'd hate to see it, but you know, you you lose a rivalry. Oh, I love to see maybe, it. Maybe you guys will get them in the League Cup one year. Hmm. It's fine with me if they don't. They lost on penalties in the Garibald Cup this week, which is wonderful, to Oxford United. All right, so that'll do it for this show this week. Second episode is done and dusted. If you've come along for the ride, thank you very much. We love, we would love to hear from you, like we said. If you want to come in and, and chime in on any of these, any of these topics at all, when the show gets tweeted out from Impact Sports, me and Adam are going to retweet it, so just respond to that with thoughts. Um, should, we use, should we start a hashtag, Adam? Use the hashtag DeMartin Download and tweet at us. Ask DeMartin. Yeah. Either either hashtag Ask DeMartin or hashtag DeMartin Download. And we'll get back to you on the Twitterverse. All right? So, as always, we have hope that you found this episode in the great words of Ray Hudson. Magisterial! Join us next time.